What's up, everybody? Wednesday, December 16th, 3 o'clock, on the verge of Snowmageddon, apparently. Stores are closing. People are buying snow. and They're not buying snow. People are buying salt, getting their shovels. People I never understand why people freak out when it's about a snow. But, alas, we're expecting a foot of snow in New Jersey. We'll see if that actually happens. I don't believe it. Um, but we shall see. we got a great show for you. First and foremost, before the, the chirps start... Got a podcast coming up in response to the uh, the different press conferences that have come out the last few days. We got Coach Cornelson, Coach Hamilton, Mr. Whip Babcock, and Coach Fuente all talked to the media in the last 48 hours. We will be reacting to that on a podcast coming up here soon. Ed and Mike will have you covered with basketball coming up here pretty soon. Uh, but today, today, we got to sit down with Katie George. For those of you unfamiliar, Katie George does a fantastic job sideline reporting for the ACC Network. She is a Louisville grad, used to play volleyball there, former Miss Kentucky USA, uh, and loves Virginia Tech. We talk a little bit about her journey in sports journalism. We talk a little bit about how she feels about Virginia Tech, the ACC as a whole. Uh, It's a really good interview. I'm really glad that she was able to join us um, and really thankful for um, our guy, Dr. John Cran, for teeing this up. So thank you so much for doing that. As always, the Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy, the best pharmacy in all of the New River Valley. Shout out to my guy, Jeremy Counts. Shout out to just the incredible staff that takes care of you and really cares about you. If you walk in and you look to the right, you're going to see the Sons of Saturday section with uh, t-shirts, flags. You can only get these at Main Street Pharmacy. we got some awesome other stuff coming up when students get back to school, regardless Christmas is around the corner. Want to get yourself or your friends some gifts? Go on over. Give them a shout. Um, But aside from that, here is our lunchtime sit-down with Miss Katie George. Sons and daughters, welcome back. It is Wednesday afternoon, and we have a very special guest joining us here today. Uh, the snows are starting to flurry outside, but that's not going to take anything away from our, our interview here with Katie George from the HC Network, from ESPN, sideline reporter, actually spent some time in Blacksburg over this past weekend, and I'm sure we're going to dig into that. But uh, Katie, welcome to the Sons of Saturday. Thank you, Pat Belly. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Excited to be with you guys. For sure. So just got to say, you know, we had, we did a little bit of a, a preview on kind of your bio. Uh, didn't just play volleyball at Louisville, three-time all-conference player at Louisville as well, for those that didn't know. Talk to us a little bit about your uh, career at Louisville. Yeah, so it was interesting because I was one of these random like class members as a student athlete that got to play in all three conferences. So I won a Big East championship my freshman season, which I absolutely loved playing in the Big East because they had the Big East tournament, whereas the other conferences did not. So we played up at Marquette, won the Big East tournament as well. Like it was just a really cool conference to be a part of. And then we moved into the American for kind of that one bizarre year 
before we then moved into the ACC. And so we won an American title uh, my sophomore season. And then my junior year was a bit of a struggle because it was a step up going into the ACC just in terms of competition um, night in and night out. And so that was really cool just to be able to a travel around to all the ACC schools, get to see those campuses, you know, to kind of rebrand as a university. And then my senior season, I feel like we settled in and we won an ACC title that year, um, which was obviously the highlight of my college volleyball career, but it was awesome playing for my hometown school. You know, I grew up a Louisville fan being from here. Um, you know, I went to games, basketball, football with my dad, you know, ever since I was like four and five years old. So like I was a diehard cards fan and then getting the opportunity to, you know, stay in my parents' backyard essentially and, and play for my hometown school was really cool. It was an awesome opportunity. You know, what was it like getting to play at the, uh, the KFC Yum Center, which everyone knows about the Yum Center. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I still like scratch my head thinking back to why they had us as a women's volleyball team play at the Yum Center because it's so huge. Obviously, it seats like 22,000 people, which the men's basketball team uh, pre-COVID would, you know, pack that out. But it was awesome. It was a, a beautiful venue. We did get, you know, sometimes six, seven, eight thousand fans, like when we would play our rival Kentucky down at the Yum to kind of fill that lower bowl, which was great. Um, I didn't quite realize how expensive it was to turn on the lights at the KFC Yum Center. That was when I was kind of learning about revenue sports versus non-revenue sports. I was like, well, how much money does, does volleyball make for the university? And they were like, Katie, the volleyball team doesn't even cover the electrical bill at the KFC Yum Center. Um, so I, you know, look back and I'm, I'm very thankful that we got that opportunity because it was really cool to call that place home for four years. You tug at the heartstrings a little bit because growing up in Bergen County, New Jersey, it was basketball, but I se severely miss the Big East and the Big East tournament used to go every year with my dad at Madison Square Garden, tweet about it all the time. Would love to bring back the Big East for basketball, but nonetheless, want to talk a little bit uh, about your career. Um, just kind of when did you know that you had a passion for this? How did you separate yourself from everyone else? Just kind of want to hear the story of how uh, you have gotten to where you are today. Yeah. So from an early age, I think I knew I wanted to do this. You know, I have two older brothers who uh, really shaped who I am as a person, just from a sports you know, standpoint, they played a variety growing up. They were really tough on me, kind of, you know, you're a girl, you're not good enough. You're not fast enough. You're not strong enough to, you know, play in the backyard, whatever sport it might've been with the neighborhood kids. And, and so I think that kind of really drove me um, from an athletic standpoint in my athletic career but with having two older brothers, you don't often get to win the remote for uh, picking television shows at home. And so we watched a lot of ESPN and college football, college basketball. And I think I was you know, 13 or 14 years old when I first noticed Aaron Andrews on college game day. I think it was right around then. And, you know, I love sports. I have a passion for it. Um, and I also love TV. And, you know, from that moment when I saw her, I thought, you know, I think you could do that. And I've never really wavered from that thought or idea. And I don't know if that's naive because I don't really have a backup plan, you know, if it didn't work out. But, you know, from that point on in high school, you know, I was in journalism classes. I you know, was on the school newspaper and then in college, obviously, you know, when I got to Louisville, I made it very known to a lot of people within the athletic department that this is what I wanted to do. So please help me in any way possible. And so, you know, throughout college, as I was playing volleyball, I also interned at local television stations, um, you know, throughout those four years. And that was instrumental for me. Uh, and, you know, then I won Miss Kentucky, which I think helped 
to a degree, solidify a job in the local market. And so when I graduated in, I think that was December, or when I was done playing volleyball in December of 2015, January 2016, I started a job at WDRB, which is the Fox affiliate here in Louisville. And so, you know, that was awesome. Just being able to stay at home, I didn't have to move away. You know, I had the support of my family and friends starting my TV career, Um, you know, covering sports and teams that I knew, you know, I had relationships with all the Louisville coaches, even, you know, some at Kentucky. And so when you're covering those teams, that was really advantageous. Uh, but it was a character builder, you know, local news, whether that's radio or television is a grind. And I think it really laid the foundation. You know, I shot all my stuff. I was the one lugging the camera and the tripod and the TVU and the laptop, you know, to and from the parking lot. Like if I'd be walking into Lane Stadium to cover a game. Um, and so it, it was instrumental, I think, in kind of shaping who I was as a TV personality. And then Randomly after two years at WDRB, I got a call that said, hey, the Milwaukee Bucks are looking for a sideline reporter. And I remember saying, is that the is that the team with Carl Anthony Towns and and Gorgie Zhang? (laughs) And and they're like, nope, that would be in Minnesota. Um, Go go state over in Wisconsin. And so they were like, that's the team with the Greek freak. And I remember, you know, flying up there for my interview and it was a total debacle, like travel plans got totally messed up. I thought there's no way I get this job. I'm sitting on the plane, like out loud next to the person, like Giannis on Ted, Giannis, like trying to sound it out. Like, how am I going to nail this interview? I can't even say their best player's name, Uh, you know, and lo and behold, it worked out and I got the job and I moved up to Milwaukee for 10 months for what was an incredible season. You know, I got to follow them to the Eastern Conference Finals, which uh, was very disappointing when they lost to Toronto. But Giannis, you know, was named MVP. I was out in L.A. for for that ceremony and the NBA awards and stuff. And so that was unbelievable being a part of a team and covering the NBA. Um, You know, what a show. What a, um, you know, just from like a star power situation, you know, covering the Lakers and the Bucks in L.A. at the Staples Center like that was, you know, unbelievably cool. And so I garnered a lot of great experience from being a sideline reporter. Cause that was the first time I was an actual sideline reporter and I kind of had to learn on the fly. And then from there, you know, not even one year in, I, I planned on being in Milwaukee for three years. Um, not even one year in, you know, ESPN contacted me and said, Hey, we're launching this ACC network. And we think you'd be a great fit because of your background, having played in the ACC and you know what you do. And I just didn't feel like I could pass up that opportunity as much as I loved the people that I was working with in Milwaukee, as much as I loved that team, you know, college football and college basketball, kind of my baby. That's what I've grown up, you know, loving and watching and rooting for. And so, you know, being in the ACC, a conference that I know well and I love, um, you know, has been a highlight. And so, you know, getting to cover all these different schools the last two seasons, um, whether it be with football or basketball has been a ton of fun. And then I also get to do some volleyball analyst work as well. I did the NCAA tournament, which is, you know, so much fun to me because it's my passion. And so um, it's been a great opportunity and I've loved every minute of it. What an incredible story. And thanks so much for sharing that. I, I, I guess another question that I have would be as you went along your career, who are some people that you may have looked up to or some people who have helped you along the way um, just as kind of you were carving out, uh, carving out your own career? Yeah. So when I was growing up, you know, 
Aaron Andrews was the first person that I kind of looked to, but, you know, as I got further into, you know, learning the business and the career, I'm a huge fan of Michelle Tafoya at NBC. I'm a huge fan of Tracy Wolfson. Obviously the two of them are pioneers and legacies as sideline reporters. They've turned it into a career. Um, I think they are so classy, so buttoned up, so polished in what they do. Um, so I, I was, you know, big fans of them. I love watching their work. Um, you know, whether that be football or the college basketball, you know, March Madness with, with Tracy, um, you know, Super Bowls. I, you know, personally now, uh, Maria Taylor and, and Laura Rutledge have been, you know, big role models for me. Laura Rutledge actually was pivotal and kind of, you know, advising me and giving me her opinion on making the switch from the Bucks to the ACC network because, I was comfortable finally in Milwaukee, you know, you get into your comfort zone, you finally feel like you're settled. And then it's like, well, damn, I'm going to move again and get out of my comfort zone. Like I just finally got here um, and kind of know the lay of the land. And, you know, Laura had a similar path. She was working with the San Diego Padres at the time when ESPN said, Hey, we're gonna give you eight or 12 games. I think it is for fall football you know, why don't you come over and do this in the SEC? And so she said, you know, for me, it was a leap of faith as well. And she was like, I think it's worked out for me. And it certainly has. I mean, look at this, the, the stardom that in the, like she was on a rocket ship basically um, with her career. And so she was very gracious, giving me her time, her opinion, her advice. Um, so, so those are two people within ESPN that I, that I think, and, you know, Maria, I've, I've shattered Maria multiple times on the sidelines just to kind of see how she works um, as I've transitioned into this role doing college football, because college football is a different animal in, in so many ways. You know, college basketball is one thing. The NBA is another. But college football, there's so much to it. There's so much ground to cover, number one, um, just from a, a logistical standpoint. Um, but there's so many more players and so many more storylines, you know, than covering maybe basketball. And so those two within ESPN have been really helpful, I think, in kind of shaping and helping me along in my career. So you mentioned shadowing Maria there on the sideline and you had the opportunity to be in Blacksburg this past weekend for the Commonwealth Cup. Um, in a COVID year, it's a lot different, but can you walk us through about your experience in Blacksburg? What did you see? What did you do? Who'd you get to talk to and what were the highlights? Yeah, so it, it stinks for me because of COVID. You know, I never got a Virginia Tech game in Blacksburg last season. So everybody always talks about inner Sandman and, you know, the packed house on a Saturday night, like that environment. And I always see it and I hear it on the videos and stuff. And I haven't got to experience that firsthand yet. I think I covered four or five games this season in Blacksburg, but obviously a thousand fans socially distanced in the stands jumping around to inner Sandman is a little bit different. <laughs> so I'm hopeful that next year, if there is fans back in the stands and we've moved past COVID that I can experience that. Uh, but I, I love my time in Blacksburg. You know, I always compare Virginia Tech's campus to Hogwarts. I'm a huge Harry Potter, like nerd fan. I love it. Uh, I remember when I played down there, you know, my, my junior and senior year of college, like the first time we went on campus riding around on the bus, I was like, this is beautiful. Just the stone, the consistency, number one, um, within the building and the, the architecture, I think is stunning. You know, at Louisville, I don't know whose bright idea it was that every building would look different and structurally not be the same. I hate that kind of hodgepodgey look. So just from like 
a beauty standpoint, I love Virginia Tech. Um, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you say that because Chris Long came on our podcast last week and was telling us how ugly our uh, our buildings are. So I'm going to take your word. I'm going to take your word over his on the uh, on the architecture. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And what world would anyone consider it ugly? He said they look like cinder blocks. I mean, I understand the 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 upset and the you know maybe dislike or disdain for the Blacksburg town. He was just trolling, man. I don't know. I mean. I didn't, I didn't love it. So I appreciate you talking up the, uh, the hokey stone. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. So I uh, am jealous that you got four years of walking around that campus, getting to just take that all in. Cause I did not have that same luxury at Louisville. Um, but to your point, Pat, I have not got to go out and have like the great, you know, dinners or meals. People always recommend, you know, restaurants and stuff or, or places for me to hit up when I'm in town. And because of COVID, you know, ESPN protocols, once you arrive, you basically have to quarantine in your, your hotel before you arrive at the stadium to cover your game. And so I haven't fully, you know, gotten to immerse myself in Blacksburg's, um, you know, town and area. I, I basically stick at the Hyatt place in uh, Blacksburg and I go over to Meza or I go over to the Starbucks or go to Firehouse Subs. And that's like pretty much the extent of my trip, sadly. Um, but I, I always enjoy my time down there. And you know, quite honestly, for me, because of COVID, you know, we do all of our meetings virtually now with like the coaches and the players. And so usually speaking in a normal year on Fridays, you and your crew would you fly in and we'd go to the football facilities and we'd actually meet coach in his office and we'd get to at least tour kind of the facilities. And wow, last week when I was there, I actually had to go into the facility to interview coach Fuente before the game for a pregame interview. That was the first time I'd seen it. I'd seen the practice, the indoor facility. I'd seen the practice field behind the stadium. I actually got to go into, you know, the complex and it was beautiful. And obviously they're making a ton of additions uh, and I'm spending a lot of money, which is exciting. But I, I thought that was really cool because that was my first time even walking, you know, back there. So hopefully when we move past COVID, we'll kind of get back to, our, our regular schedule and I'll get to enjoy it more. I was pretty surprised they did that when, when they showed it, I was surprised because I had, we hadn't seen him interviewed anywhere other than on a field or on a zoom. So that was the first time we really, anybody has gotten to see inside of the team meeting room or anything else. So that was definitely interesting. No, I was just going to say, you know, it's, it was pretty for me to get to go in and see it because that always is a highlight to see all the different, you know, bells and whistles that these teams have. I mean, Everybody's trying to keep up. And so you got to constantly be adding and, and adding new stuff. And so I think that it's um, a really cool complex that they got over there. Absolutely. So, um, you know, moving along to basketball here, uh, as we are right about to get in the thick of HC play. I uh, love as- Mike Young. <laughs> that was what I was going to ask. I was going to say, welcome Katie, to the club. Katie, welcome to the club. Get your popcorn ready, uh, just like Orville Redenbacher. But what are your thoughts so far? So I'll be quite honest with you. I didn't even know college basketball was going on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you, when you're so <laughs> locked into football, like it's been really hard to kind of even keep track. Like, I don't know who's good. I don't know who's bad. You know, I just constantly see in my email, this game's been postponed. This game's been canceled. You know, obviously basketball's a, you know, much more difficult in terms of COVID just because of contact tracing, you know, it's not like you have a wide receiver test positive and just the wide receiver room has been contact traced, you know, your entire basketball team has been contact traced essentially if you've been practicing together. So I I can't imagine the challenges and the uphill battle. These coaches, these players feel like they're fighting right now. Um, 
I did see that, you know, they got the big win over Villanova, which I remember seeing it on Twitter and thinking to myself, good for coach young. Like that's awesome. He is so gracious. He is so helpful and accommodating to someone like me. You know, I, I can't tell you how much I just appreciate his approach. Um, and the kindness that he shows to me on the sidelines, you know, anything I need, he says, come join the huddle, listen to what I have to say. If you didn't hear it, or you want to double check, you know, pull one of my assistants aside pre COVID, of course, ask him, you know, real quick, they'll tell you and confirm what, you know, we're working on or what we want to do, what adjustments we want to make. Like, I love that. Not everybody is a is willing or open to allow you into their huddles. Um, also they don't talk to you and, and want to get to know you genuinely. Like, I don't expect people to care that I played volleyball. Um, I, I hope that they at least recognize it because I think it helps garner a little respect because when someone knows, okay, she played in the ACC or she played at a high level, she knows what we're going through to a degree, right? Uh, you know, I didn't play college basketball, but I know what it takes, you know, on the week to lead up to the game. I know the blood, sweat and tears that these kids are putting into it. Like I appreciate when people recognize that fact and coach young, always asked me about my volleyball career and what it was like and the coaches that I played for and my position and why I picked that position. And like, I don't know, he just makes you feel a part of it. And like, he genuinely cares to get to know you. And I, I think that that's really special and you don't always get that. So I think he's a gem. Um, I'm hoping that I get to go into a basketball arena and cover the ACC this season. We're still kind of iffy on, you know, how many sideline reporters will be invited in just because, of the protocols, you have to stay 25 feet from the court. And so, you know, as a silent reporter, if you're 25 feet from the huddle. There's not a whole lot you're going to be hearing, uh, you know, to add to the broadcast. And so, and I see all the, you know, the, the plexiglass and, and all the, you know, barriers that they've put up. So it's going to be interesting to see how we kind of navigate that. But I do think it's, it's of worth to have a sideline reporter on the field or in the building because, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And it, I think it is good to have somebody on the ground just in case. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been a ton of fun to watch a huge win yesterday uh, over Clemson, another ranked win for coach young, uh, which was a ton of fun to watch. Um, but you mentioned it, like you look at 2020 uh, and everything that's happened. We've been bummed out. We couldn't go to stadiums. We've been bummed out. We haven't um, been able to go watch basketball this year, but uh, we always like to spin things into a positive light. So when you look back at the challenges and the different situations that 2020 has put you in, what are you walking away with? Uh, some things that you learned, what will you remember this year most for? How has it made you better uh, moving into 2021? I think I will remember most the sacrifices that these college kids and these coaches made. I don't think that gets talked about enough. I think it was the focal point early on when we were wondering if we were even going to have a season. And then when the ball dropped, it came back to what did you win this weekend or did you not? Who played well? Who did it? Who's going to be in the college football playoffs? Who's not? And it's a result oriented business. I get it. Obviously it's a big, I mean, it makes unbelievable amounts of money, but I think we sometimes lose sight of how difficult this was for these kids and these coaches to get through. I mean, you know, coach Fuente, we talked to him going into the game against Virginia, you know, the man had been tested, I think 40 something times COVID tested. Yeah, whatever. That's having that sticked up your nose. Like I get tested each Monday too. It's not enjoyable, but you get through it because it's just part of it. But people don't recognize the anxiety behind that of not knowing, okay, God, you know, am I going to get knocked out this week? What happens if I test positive or if I get contact traced? Then the anxiety of who's going to step in as play caller or head coach. And 
you know, obviously they had a lot of COVID issues within the team amongst their players, you know, early on, like that takes a mental and physical toll on young people. Oh, by the way, you're in the best shape of your life. You're in your prime. You're, you know, big man on campus. Well, you can't go anywhere. You can't go out with your friends. You can't go out to dinner. You have to basically go to practice, do your studies, stick to your dorm room or your apartment and keep your circle super small. Like that's a lot to ask of 18, 19, 20 year olds. And it's a sacrifice. And I commend these kids for a, the discipline that they had, the commitment that they had to do it. Um, because I wouldn't have struggled to do that. Like thinking back to my college career, like I got to stay in my dorm room. Like I can't go out, you know, to dinner or have fun with my friends. I can't go to a party, you know, like I can't celebrate Halloween. Like that's really, really tough. And so like, I know people make a big fuss about some of these teams in Virginia tech being one that opted out for their bowl game. Like they're tired. They're, they're emotionally exhausted. And I, I don't honestly blame them because if you think about it, guys, like they came in July, some of these teams, even June, they've been working through these protocols up until now. You're going to ask them to stay on campus where there's no students anymore. They're not taking classes. They can't go home and celebrate the holidays with their families just so they can go play in a bowl game that, you know, may or may not really matter to some of them. And then what happens if you get to your bowl game and then there's a COVID outbreak and then you don't even play, you missed all that time and you sacrificed those three weeks you know, not spending it with your family. Like it's a lot to ask. And I think a lot of these coaches feel like, Hey, we've, we've sacrificed a lot. We've done a, enough at this point. And you know what? We want to give our kids a break. Couldn't agree more with that, that sentiment there. And Katie, we're going to move along here into uh, a segment called rapid fire. I'm assuming, you know, exactly what that means. Uh, just give us whatever pops up uh, to your head first here. And this is brought to you by our guy, Dr. John Cranham at the Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry. Lo, uh, lo, behold, or lo and behold, I should say, Dr. Cran set it up with this interview. He had the connection. Shout out. Emily, was Emily on the team at uh, at Louisville with you or friend? Yeah, college? so just small world, right? Obviously, like it always works like this. Emily Jewell was a volleyball player on my team, one of my teammates, a phenomenal right side hitter. Uh, she's obviously now a dentist and I think that's the connection that she has with Dr. John. And so I think he was a mentor of sorts for her. And so he kind of reached out to Emily and said, Hey, you know, I think Katie be great on this podcast. Could you, you know, put us in connection. And so then obviously now here we are. Always love a good connection. Always love a good sponsor. Shout out to John and shout out to the Chesapeake center for a complete dentistry, always making us smile. So, Katie, uh, favorite ACC town or city besides Louisville? And Virginia Tech, because I'll get upset with an answer. So we'll we'll opt out <laughs> of Virginia Tech. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Raleigh-Durham. I'm just going to go with that little area. How about that? It's got All a right. really nice airport, guys. I'm just saying. Very convenient. <laughs> Good options for after games. No, I do like that area. I think they got great restaurants. So... And back in the day, back in the day, that airport used to have an ACC store in the airport. I don't know if it's still there or not. My grandparents uh, live in Durham, so very familiar with down there. Yeah. Um, any pets at home? I have a dog. His name is Teddy. He is a Cavapoo, like a King Charles Cavalier poodle mix. Um, so he's a teddy bear. And I also live by a train. Sorry about that. <laughs> if you can hear it in the background. 
<laughs> Love it. And then uh, favorite HTC football stadium and basketball arena aside from Louisville and Tech. Ooh. These are hard. These aren't rapid fire, guys. I got to think about this for a little bit. Okay, so favorite Moderate football fire. stadium. Ooh. Favorite football stadium. Okay, I would go with, I thought, I think Chapel Hill. It's it's nice. It's like quaint, I would say. They probably hate that. They probably hate that word that I just said quaint. But like, I think the fans are on top of you. I've seen some really good games there. Uh, I thought that they made a difference. Um, I like that it's kind of built into the ground. And I also like that they keep it open during the week so you can do stadium runs. Like students can run in and out. It's not like unacceptable to people. Um, and then favorite basketball arena. You said I couldn't say the Coliseum. or You can say TD Garden. I am a Celtics fan. That's a fantastic, uh, it's a fantastic arena, fantastic fans, fun team. Do you want me to say TD Garden? I do you, love TD Garden. I love TD Garden. But what about college? What is the what I had to slide the Celtics in there? What is your favorite college arena? Okay, you said you love the fans. Um, they're wild at TD Garden. Like those are fans that turn on their own players. I saw it firsthand two years ago. Like they loved Kyrie, and then they were like basically yelling some explicit Kyrie in the second half. So oh, we don't like the, we don't like the explicits. We don't like the explicits, <laughs> but Kyrie was very frustrating to root for. Um, just being, just being fair, not very nice to reporters in the last couple of weeks either. So, you know, Kyrie, it's a, it's, it's a love. It was a love hate relationship that now is a, I don't want to talk about it anymore relationship. <laughs> However, um, what is your favorite game that you ever covered? Forget like the stadiums and everything else. One specific game that you covered. In the ACC? Sure. Last year, I covered... Okay, so first off, sorry. The Virginia Tech Liberty game was wild. Come on. It was wild. It was wild, yeah. Wild (laughs) is one of the words. Yeah, it was definitely wild. It was wild. (laughs) That's the word I'm using because it's kind of neutral. You don't know what I mean by that. Um... Yeah, that one was a heartbreaker, like a gut punch, guys. I can't yeah. imagine. Um, but I like I like games. As a sideline reporter, it stinks when they come down to the wire because you're trying to create questions for both coaches and players. So it makes it difficult. Like sometimes you're like coming up with 12 different questions for 12 different scenarios based on what happens in one possession. Mm-hmm. Last year, I covered some really, really close games. I can think back to Virginia, Florida State where they stopped Florida State mm-hmm. on the goal line. That was a huge game. Uh, I remember, you know, Bryce Perkins kind of put everybody on his back, which is on par for what he does. Um, you know, in Chapel Hill, Virginia had a close game against them. I do like the Miami-North Carolina game I covered last year. That one was a really big one that came down to the wire. Um, so, yeah, those are just – I think, obviously, if you can see the trend that I'm going with, if they come down to, like, the last possession, I love those games. I love the excitement. But I also like I feel for the team that loses, like just to see just the disappointment and just the sheer shock. Like, I hate that. But then I'm so excited for the team, you know, that just got the win. Um, And then, of course, like if any time an underdog, you know, upsets somebody, I'm all for that. Well, that Liberty game checks a lot of your boxes. So um, there you go. Um, What about uh, your favorite interview, player or coach? Favorite uh, favorite person interview? Mac Brown is always 
you know, so enjoyable to talk to. He gets it. Um, I think, you know, maybe one of the best things for Mac was the fact that he walked away from college football for a little bit. He obviously had the career at ESPN and understands, you know, kind of what goes into it from a TV standpoint. Um, so I think now having had that background and experience that he's really good with TV personalities now and, and broadcasters trying to cover his team. Um, I, we appreciate that. You know, there's not a lot of coaches. Some coaches don't really get that even now. Um, and so that can be frustrating for us. Um, so I, I always enjoy, I always know that I'm going to get a good interview with coach Mac Brown, um, you know, which I appreciate. And then I would say, I know Notre Dame's, you know, in their conference for this one blip of a year, but Ian book is always really enjoyable to talk to in an interview. Um, he gives thoughtful answers, um, which I appreciate. So I, I, I covered the Notre Dame, North Carolina game um, after Thanksgiving, which was, you know, kind of like a highlight for my career thus far, getting to work with Kirk and Chris Fowler. Um, and so getting to talk to Ian in that moment um, was a really big deal. Love, love Ian Book. Huge Ian Book fan. Love his interviews. Don't love his interviews in the middle of our football games. If we can avoid having him interviewed in the middle of our game when it's going on split screen, I can't say huge fan of the, the split screen interview, but I do love Ian Book. So credit. I will, I will take that suggestion, put it in the suggestion box and please, run the game. Okay? Please do. Please do. Um, no. uh, favorite Christmas movie? Oh, uh, The Grinch. I don't really? Know. Now, is this the Jim Carrey? Is this the cartoon? Jim Carrey. Okay. I thought Jim Carrey was phenomenal as the Grinch. I just think it's a classic. I don't. Why you? I mean, you kind of made like a face, Billy. What would no, you I mean, I, I, I'm more of an elf. I like, I like the elf. The elf is is kind of my classic. Uh, people are, have mixed opinions about a, the Christmas story. I just ha- the Grinch isn't your typical answer. And I mean, for it's me, not. I wouldn't want to have the typical answer. I. I don't think that's that's not a typical answer that I get is the Grinch. Pat, do you get the Grinch a lot when you ask if that I'm, question? If I'm giving my top three, it's Home Alone is number one, Elf is number two, the animated cartoon Grinch is number three. Oh, you'd go animated. I oh, skipped yeah. the animated portion of my life because I had the older brothers. Like my parents mm-hmm. were basically like, you get the real people now. Like you'll watch <laughs> Twister at age three and you know, be scarred for life. Um, so I didn't get the animated version. That's interesting. Home Alone is a really good one. I forget because that is right around Christmas. I'd love Elf too. Now you've got me thinking. I'm gonna have to go back to the drawing board on this. Okay. All right. Get back to us. Let us know. Still got. Um, still got what? Ten days? Nine days? We Ten days? Nine Cue days. up the Hallmark Channel. Um, I gotta say. Thank you so, so much. This was this was really awesome getting to learn about your career. Uh, doubling down on our architecture. We were really reeling uh, after the architecture comment. Um, but, you know, the last question that I have here for you is um, I have a lot of friends uh, that are women in sports and in uh, journalism who are looking to make a name for themselves. Um, they were all really excited to have you coming on uh, this podcast. What is your advice or some tricks of the trade for people that you have picked up along the way for uh, young women looking to enter into that space and make a name for themselves? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked. I, I would say you have to be open-minded and willing to do anything and everything at this point, especially when you're early on in your career. You know, if they asked me to cover gymnastics, I don't know anything about gymnastics, but I would say, yep, I'll become an expert, you know, in two days or whatever it may be. Uh, I think just 
the willingness to show that you're a team player and you'll do whatever they ask of you, um, you know, to kind of show that you're up for anything, I think is really important. And I think if you can show versatility at this point, it's really advantageous. Like I think back to when I was at the ACC tournament in Greensboro and I was going to the arena about to cover a game that night and everything got canceled. And, you know, we all were sent home, you know, and ESPN kind of said, you know, sit tight, we'll, we'll keep you posted. And, you know, we sat tight, you know, and a couple of weeks go by and you're, you're starting to wonder, you know, what's going to happen if we're, we're not covering sports, you know, we're not making money. And, you know, then you hear, okay, they're going to lay some people off and they're going to furlough some people. And so you, you start to worry, obviously, am I in jeopardy? And I will say right after the Super Bowl, I joined a radio show on Sunday mornings with Peter Burns called The Best Week Ever. And I remember when my agent said, hey, we think you should do this Sunday morning radio show. And I, I kind of, you know, was like, Jeff, I'm super busy. Like I'm traveling all the time. I'm covering two, three basketball games at this point a week. Like I'm tired. And he was like, I know you are, but I think this would be really advantageous and show some versatility, you know, not just that, you know, you don't just do sideline, like you could be a radio personality as well. And, and I tell you that story because in hindsight, that was the best thing Jeff could have done for me because at that point where we didn't have sports and they did start, you know, laying some people off and furloughing, I got an opportunity to start filling in on more radio shows. And so there was a point, you know, in the summertime where I was working four or five days a week on radio. And I felt like I was pitching in and I felt like I was at least playing my part and being a team player. And I think that that was huge for me, um, you know, to be instrumental and in staying on board. Right. Because we didn't know what was going to happen, you know, especially what if, what happened if they didn't play college football? I mean, where would we be? I don't even want to think about it. But like I cover football, basketball and volleyball um, and whatever else they throw my way. And then I do the radio as well. And I think so if if you can be as versatile as possible you know, coming into this business, I think that that's really advantageous. Um, don't try to just cover one thing and one thing only, because that can put you um, in a box. And so I would say that, you know, is really important to me. I think that really helped. Also, don't shy away from local news. I think a lot of people now, because there's so many, you know, digital platforms that you could get on that people think, oh, you know, I don't want to carry a camera or I don't want to be a part of local news. I can skip, skip that step. I think that step was huge for me. It was like baptism by fire. And, you know, everything you do as a sideline reporter for what I do is live. Like you don't get any practice rounds. I mean, when you're on television, like it's live and everybody's hearing it. And I think local news gives you so many reps. It's like sports. The more reps you do, the better you become. And, and I think local news gives you that. So I wouldn't turn your nose up to local news. I would, I would look at it as a, a really viable option to getting a start in this business. Katie George, you have been so gracious with your time. We're a huge fan of everything that you do. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, really looking forward to finally getting you an opportunity to check out Lane Stadium. Um, but uh, we'll be watching. We're just uh, so thankful for your time this afternoon. Oh, I appreciate it, guys. Pilly, Pat, thank you so much for having me. Ryu, some-